Ketchup. Yeah, I'm just stepping outside for a little bit just to get some fresh air. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Everybody's so happy. There's only so much eggnog you can drink. I mean, not that I don't like Christmas. It's just that I don't like Christmas. Yeah, I'm going to try to get this radio on. What y'all standing for, you're going to sit down if you like to. Now let's see if I can get this ready. Yeah, it's still not working. Thought they were going to get this fixed. Yeah. I've been here at the Pleasant Valley Nursing Home and it's not so pleasant. Can't even get the radio working. Not that I don't like it, I, but I kind of like it. Yeah, Frank, he's the director of the nursing home. And I kind of like him, he's a good guy. But, you know, it's like you, you're here and they don't let you do what you want to do. They tell you when to get up. They tell you when to go to bed. Tell you what to eat, tell you what to drink. I said, Frank, I said, I'd like to get some regular coffee. He said, All I can have is decaf coffee. I would like some regular coffee. I don't know. Let me tell you something about Chuck. I said, he's the, he's the director, right? He's, the, he's a college educated man. And let me tell you something about him. We were in the rec center and we were watching the television. And the news was telling us that there was a hurricane coming down through South America. They said it was supposed to be like a Category 4. And they said it was going to make landfall. And so on this day, we was watching the news to see if it made landfall. And the news broadcaster said it made landfall. And it said one Brazilian dead. Chuck turned to me and he said, oh my gosh. How many is a Brazilian? <laughs> How many is a Brazilian? <laughs> uh, let me have a seat here. Yeah, I just gotta get some fresh air. Uh, just sit down here. I'll put my cane here on the floor. Uh, now nah, it's gonna be hard to get there when I get back up. Hey, anyways. I guess I should introduce myself to you. My name's Jolly, and I've been here at the nursing home for about the last 12 years. My wife and I, we moved in here together, and, and she passed about four years ago. I've had about three roommates since she passed, and my last roommate's name was Frank. He has passed away for a couple of days ago. and. Uh, I think that they'll be giving me another roommate, you know, it's just not something that you always like because you don't know who you're going to get, whether you're going to like them or not, whether they're going to be somebody you can get along with, but that's just part of it, you know what I mean. Frankie said to me, he always said to me, he said, Charlie, he said, there's only one way that you're going to leave this place. He said, you better make sure that you know where you're going when you leave this place. Like, yeah, I know, I know. Oh, well, I just mind my business. Well, you know, when it comes to this place, you just gotta do what you gotta do. And, uh, you know, just to tell you about myself, you don't mind me telling me about myself, do you? You're probably asking why am I talking this way. 
I had a stroke about, uh, well, it's that sometime last year. And so I, after having a stroke, I talked this way. I've been going through physical therapy, and they say, you know, you could get your speech back or you could stay this way the whole time. They say, you know, they come in, they say, talk this way, say your ABCs, make these sounds. It's just a big pain. Not that I don't like it, but I don't like it. Yeah, I'm 92 years old. No, I'm 93 years old. 93, yeah. I was born in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, I'm the oldest of five. I have two brothers. I have two sisters. My youngest sister, my youngest, she, she died after six days of, of being born. And uh, it was kind of a rough life. My mother, she was a she was a good woman. She was a good woman, but my father, he was not so good. I don't think he knew how to be a father. I don't think he knew how to, to be a husband. He always he always beat my mother. And if he wasn't beating my mother, he was beating us children. It was something that was a regular thing in our home. And I remember on my first Christmas. Oh, it was the first Christmas that I remember. You say, why is it the first Christmas you remember? Well, it was in 1937. I was 10 years old. And the reason I remember it was because my father came home, drunk as he oftentimes was, came home from a Christmas party. And he began to beat my mother. And he beat her really bad. She was unconscious. And for some reason, he didn't beat us children at that time. I think maybe it scared him because he had hurt my mother so bad. I can, I can remember that like it was yesterday. I can remember it like it was yesterday. There was something that I remember about that night. I remember my sister, she would always go and hide behind the couch when my dad would come home. And on this particular night afterwards, my sister said to us, she said, when I hid behind the couch, she said there was a man that was behind the couch with me. We said, a man? A man was behind the couch with you? And she said, yeah, a man. And I, I said, well, what was his name? Who was he? And she said, I don't know who he was. And so we never believed her for the longest time. I'll tell you more about that later. But my mother, when she got feeling better and was back to health, she, <clears throat> excuse me, she was going to make sure that my father never, never beat her or us children again. And so in the middle of the night, she loaded us up on the bus. 
and we went off to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We didn't have any family there, we didn't know anybody. She just heard that there was work up there, and so in the middle of the night we went to Pennsylvania. When we got there, we we stayed in a homeless shelter for about a month, and my mother, she began to be waitressing at the local diner down the road. And then later on, she began to do some sewing. She was like a seamstress that she did some other additional work. But we finally got an apartment. And then, a little while after being in Pittsburgh, my mom, I don't know if it was a co-worker if there was somebody at the diner that invited her, but they invited her to come down to the Catholic Church down the road. And so my mother, she went down to the Catholic Church and she found faith. She was a, she became a very strong woman of faith. And she would go to Mass every single, every single Sunday. She would take us kids to Mass and it was something that we did very faithfully. But as for me, I didn't like it. I don't know, maybe it's because I was an angry child. Maybe was thinking I was angry because of what my father had done, but I didn't complain. We went to church every Sunday, but I didn't like it. And to make matters worse, you know, when we were there in Pittsburgh, my mother found a dog. You came sniffing around all the time and we happened to feed him and then once we fed him he kept coming back and then finally my mother said that we could have the dog. <laughs> His name was Dusty. It was a Dalmatian. Like Dusty the Dalmatian. And he became my best friend because I didn't know anybody there. And he would walk with me down to school and then when the school bell rang he would become running down the road and he would meet me down at the school. And this one particular day, the school bell rang, and I ran out from the school, and I saw Dusty come running down the road, and he crossed the road, and he got hit by a car. My friend was gone. I can remember that like it was yesterday. You know, the thing that made matters worse is that when when uh, the guy got out of the car, he came over and he said, he said, you all right? I said, yeah, I'm okay. He said, well, what are you doing letting your dog go out of the leash? He said, being apologetic, he's yelling at me. And he was the priest of the Catholic Church, the Holy Father. He wasn't remorseful, hate Chuck. Hey, Charlie, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, thank you. Yeah. Did you get enough to eat? I did. I just came out here to get some fresh air. Can I get you anything? Uh, give me some regular coffee. Regular coffee? Yeah. All right. And then some cookies. Okay. All right. Coffee and cookies. How many cookies? How about a Brazilian? <laughs> oh, sorry. oh, hey, Charlie. Um, fix this for you. Oh, thank um, you. Thank you. Your daughter called and she said her flight got delayed, and, uh, but they'll still be in tonight. They'll just be a little bit later. Okay, thank you. Yep, and we're getting ready to do some Christmas carols. You want to come in? 
No, I just stay out here. I'm just, just. You sure? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, sir. As I was saying, the priest, he ran over my dog. And he wasn't remorseful, wasn't sorry. And so I think that made matters worse. It just made me more angry. I thought, this is supposed to be the Holy Father. I'm supposed to represent God. And he's yelling at me. And he's the one that killed my dog. Yeah. Not that I didn't like him. Yeah, I just didn't like him. Yeah, I can hear him start to sing the carols now. I don't like carols, but my wife, my wife, she always liked carols at the Christmas time. But that was a tradition in our home. My wife would always sing, Oh, Holy Night. She would sing it as a lullaby to our kids on Christmas Eve as they were getting ready to go to bed. I, I can remember that like it was yesterday. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. Oh, it is the night of our dear Long lay the world and sit in every pine till he appeared and the soul felt its word. The smell of hope, the weary world rejoices for
I remember that like it was yesterday. But life goes on. Remember I was telling you about the Catholic Church and that my mother, she started taking us to Mass every Sunday. And you remember I told you that my sister would always hide behind the couch when, <clears throat> when my father would come home drunk. <clears throat> and she would hide behind the couch. But it wasn't until we went to the Catholic Church that when we were inside, she saw a picture of Jesus. And she stopped and she said, that's the man that was behind the couch with me. And he said everything was going to be okay. And we said, he was the man that was with you? And she said, yes, he's the one that was there. We didn't know whether to believe or not, but that's what she swears by. <clears throat> I mentioned my wife. My wife was one of the most special things in my life. I met Luann in 1949. We married in 1950. And then we had a boy and a girl in 1951. They were twins, Richard and Rachel. Oh, there was just something about those kids. I never really had a father. I never had somebody that I could look up to. But there was something in me that really loved my kids. I can remember that like it was yesterday. fun having kids and the interesting thing is is that I never really <clears throat> had a father figure or I guess I did when my family and I my mother took it took it to Pittsburgh <clears throat> it's good my voice is going out when we came out to Pittsburgh after two years my mother after working in the diner she would walk home in the wintertime and she took ill and I think she got pneumonia and then she ended up passing away. Again, I remember that year. I was only 12. It was 1939. And the reason I remember that is because that was the first year that we didn't have family Christmas. We didn't know nobody, and so they separated us. They put us in an orphanage. And me being the oldest, nobody wanted an older child. <clears throat> so my sister and my two brothers, they got foster homes right away. And it wasn't until the following year that I found a family or that a family found me. I don't know what was worse. I don't know if it was worse having a new family that adopted you and celebrating Christmas with people that you don't know or celebrating Christmas in an orphanage with nobody that you know. Just being alone, excuse me. But life goes on. I mentioned to you that I had children 
And because I really didn't have much of a father figure in my younger years, my adoptive father was a good man. He was a hard worker, blue-collar worker. He worked in the steel mill, the foundry. He was a church-going man. But it just seemed as though I always kind of kept him at a distance because I was just an angry young man. I was angry. And once again, he brought us to church, but because I was angry, I just didn't want nothing to do with God. And so as a result, I really didn't know how to be a father myself or a husband. And as much as I loved Luann, I was not a good husband to her. I found myself oftentimes pushing her away. She would love me unconditionally. And the interesting thing is, is that you go into the bathroom one day and you come out and your wife is old. You're old. Your children are gone. And you think, where did the time go? Well, time just goes by so fast. And I never, I never took the time to appreciate all that my wife did for me in my younger years. And I regret that I wasn't a better father. I remember one time, my wife, I came home and I was came home from work because I started working in the steel mill myself. I came home and I saw dinner on the table and she was just happy. She was, she was just giddy. And I said to her, I said, what's gotten into you? You act like a little schoolgirl. I said, what's, what's going on with you? You seem just so happy. And she said to me, she said, she said, I was listening to the radio and I heard a a Billy Graham Christmas special. And she said at the end of the, 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 the special, she said he prayed a prayer and, and I prayed along with him and I asked Jesus into my heart. And she said, and I feel different. I feel happy. But when she told me that, it just made me angry. I took up my dinner, I threw it in the trash and I left. I don't know why I did that. I just... It made me angry because I think I was just angry at God because of all the things that had happened in my life. But she loved me, nevertheless. In 1968, Richard, my son, he got drafted into the Vietnam War and he served his two years. But after the two years of service, he re-enlisted. He wanted to go back and be a chaplain. I mean, my son, a preacher, can you go figure? I didn't like it. But he was serving. And in 1971, it was just before Christmas, Luann and I received a letter from my son, and he said he was going to be home for Christmas. Lou Ann was so excited. Two days before Christmas, the doorbell rang. When we opened up the door, we saw a man in uniform. And he said to us, sorry to inform you, your son has been lost in battle.
Luann fell to the floor. It was probably the hardest day of my life. I can remember that day like it was yesterday. yesterday. Later that next year, a gentleman came to pay me a visit. He was the MP that was driving my son to the air base to be dropped off to come home for Christmas. He was the one that survived the attack while my son didn't. But he wanted to come and tell me about that moment, that young officer said to me, he said, I wanted you to know what your son did for me just before he passed away. He said, I was trying to attend to him and stop the bleeding, but your son Richard just looked at me and only had one thing to say. He said, he asked me, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? And if not, you need Jesus. And then he passed away. He's, while he was there, he ended up collecting his New Testament Bible and he gave it to me. I carry it with me every day. I know that he was trying to give me some sense of comfort. And I began to think, why did somebody's son live when my son had to die? I think I'm still mad at God for that. My daughter, my daughter lives in Colorado. She's going to be coming in. You heard that she had a flight delay, but we're excited to, to visit with them. They'll be here shortly. You know, that old radio just sitting there. I told you my wife always listened to the Billy Graham special. I wonder if I can get the, that radio to work. Give me just a minute. Yeah. These ladies don't work like they used to. <laughs> yeah. Boy, this is an old one. Let's see. Is it on? It's on. I turn it. Uh... Is it working? Hey. What a Christmas season this has been for us. 
But this past year, we've visited a number of countries throughout the world preaching the gospel. And in many of the places that we visited, we sensed that some sort of crisis threatens the very foundations of their societies. Thus, as we celebrate Christmas, ominous clouds are gathering on the horizon in many parts of the world that could affect the whole world, including your world and mine. In addition, I'm speaking to many of you tonight who have your own personal crisis. It could be in your home, your health, your work, or just the pressures of life itself. But in the midst of all these problems, there comes the message of Christmas, with all of its hope, its goodwill, and its cheer. I think the message of Christmas has been generally misunderstood and misapplied. Some think only of business profits, shopping, gifts, tinsel, toys, and celebrations. Others think only of Bethlehem, of the star in the sky, shepherds in the field, and angels singing. And still others cynically ask, where is the Prince of Peace? But the real Christmas message goes much deeper. It answers all the great questions that plague the human race at this or any other hour. On that first Christmas night, the Bible tells of the angel who said to the fearful shepherds, as we read a few minutes ago, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. That virgin-born baby was God in human form. He humbled himself. He took the form of a servant. He was made in your likeness and mine. He identified himself with our problems and the problems of the whole human race. Secondly, there's a death. Christmas to have meaning cannot be separated from the cross. The angel said at the birth of Jesus, he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus himself said, speaking of his death, to this end was I born. The apostle Paul years later said to young Timothy, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The central message of Christmas to me is that Jesus Christ by his death and resurrection can transform both individuals and society. Almost everyone at some time or another senses that he's a moral failure and suffers some form of guilt. Almost every newspaper or magazine that we pick up and almost every newscast we watch show hate, lust, greed, prejudice, and corruption manifesting themselves in a thousand ways every day. The Bible teaches that we are sinners and that the only cure for sin is the blood of Christ that was shed on that cross. Christ became the lamb slain from the foundation of the world for the sins of mankind. The cross and the resurrection stand as man's only hope. From these two momentous events, God is saying to sinful man, I love you. But he is also saying, I can forgive you. This is the good news of Christmas. But you must also do something. You must humble yourself and admit your sin and your moral failure. And then by faith, turn to him as Lord and Savior. Perhaps until now, you've been celebrating this Christmas and every Christmas of your life for the wrong reasons. How many Christmases have come and gone without your ever really knowing Jesus Christ and the gift of new life he brings? I'm going to ask you to do something on this Christmas that we've just seen hundreds of thousands do around the world. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whether you're alone 
or in a room somewhere or surrounded by your loved ones, I'm asking you, all of you together, even whole families, right now, to bow your heads and pray this prayer with me. Oh God, I have sinned against thee. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm willing to turn from my sins. And by faith, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And now on behalf of all of us, may this Christmas mark the beginning of a new life for you and your family as you make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Good night and a blessed Christmas from our house to your house. You know, I was thinking as I was listening to Billy Graham and as I was sharing with you, it dawned on me. It dawned on me that I've been mad at God for a number of years, but I began to see as I've reflected over my life that God has been trying to help me and be with me all through my life. And believe it or not, I carry my son's New Testament every day. And I read it every day. I'm 93 years old. And I've carried a heavy burden. I think it's time that I lighten the load and ask Jesus into my heart. God, I know that I haven't been a good man. I know that I've rejected you. But I want to see Luann again. I want to see my mother. I want to see Frank. But God, I don't want you to forget me. Will you forgive me? Jesus, will you come into my heart? In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, I actually feel better. <laughs> wow, I actually feel like a load of a load of heaviness has been lifted right off of me. Hey, Frank. Hey, Charlie. How are you? I'm good. Yeah? You know what I just did? What did you do? I just listened to the radio. Billy Graham had his Christmas special on there like he always does. Really? And at the end, I gave my heart to Jesus. Really? Yeah. That is awesome, Charlie. Yeah. That is so good. Happy. One of the greatest Christmas gifts I can give my daughter. Yes, it is. Yes, it yeah. is. Yeah. That is wonderful. Yeah. I brought your cookies and I brought your coffee. Oh, thank you. And you've been out here for a while. It's a little chilly out here. I'm yeah. going to get you a blanket. Get you warmed up, okay? We don't want you to catch a cold or anything like that. We can't have you sick. Um, Charlie, you said you've been listening to this whole thing? Not even plugged in.
don't take any care of Charlie. Did you cover it up? Charlie? 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 Gonna make your family a little sad if they missed you. But Charlie, you gave them the greatest Christmas gift you could have given them. Don't miss you, Charlie. Jesus. 
And our prayer and our hope is that Jesus is found in your home because he's the Prince of Peace. I know there's a lot of things going on in this world right now, but our prayer for you is that in this season, this year, that Jesus becomes more real to you than you've ever known. I hope that you enjoyed the message this morning in a creative way. That when it comes down to it, it's Jesus. You have anything you want to add? All right. I want you to know that we love you. The best is yet to come.